0: You're listening to the Redeeming Grace Church Podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org. Our
1: sermon text today is from Matthew 13, 47 to 51, the parable of the net. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes. When I was young, a few years ago, just a few years ago, don't let don't anybody laugh too loud, um, I had this habit of coming home uh, from school, just rushing home from school, and the first thing I wanted to do is just get my homework done and go out and play. So I got my homework done so I could get out, got my homework done so I could get out and play. Um, I would do this time after time, after, I mean, through a whole series of, you know, when the weather is nice, that's what you do. You I just want to get outside and play sports, play baseball, play football, basketball, whatever season it was. I wanted to get out there and do that. So this would work for a little while, but then uh, something peculiar happened, it was, uh, you might know about it, it's called Report Card Day. That would sneak up on me like I didn't know it was coming, Report Card Day, right? Um, that's fine and everything, uh, but um, then what would happen is on Report Card Day, Mom got to see the Report Card, <laughs> and when Mom saw the Report Card, Guess what followed after that? The lecture. I, I had to explain that C+, plus only it wasn't a C+, plus and I'm not going to let you in on my secrets to my GPA or my not-study habits that I had back then. But what happened was I got the lecture. Now, the lecture lasts 15 minutes to maybe about three years. I don't know. It felt like three years at, at times. So I get in this lecture, and at the end of the lecture, there was the question, Do you understand? Yeah, I guess I understand. <laughs> I should probably do a few things differently, right? I Do I understand? Yeah, I thought I understood. But s- sort of like the disciples here, when at the end of this series of parables, Jesus asked the question, do you understand? And they said, yes, we understand. But similarly, the thing is, I don't think they really understood everything that was going to take place. Like I didn't understand how important it was to study so I could get a job, pursue some dreams, get married, and, you know, those kind of things. I think the uh, an interesting thing is the disciples said they understood as well. So what were the things they were saying they understood? We've been going over that the last few weeks when we look at the parables in Matthew 13. In that first parable, the parable of the sower, he's teaching that there's different kinds of soils, and very few people get it. Very few people get the gospel. And in the next week, we were talking about the parable of the weeds, and this is kind of similar to what one I'm going to be talking about today. And then the, the situation there is that real believers are going to be mixed with counterfeits. You've got the wheat and the tares. And the next weeks, we had the mustard seed and the leaven. What we learned about the mustard seed and the leaven was that this kingdom was going to grow. It's going to start small, but it's going to grow. And then last week, I think it was, we had the kingdom of treasure and the great pearl, which this kingdom that God's building, this salvation that we can have, is a great treasure to ho- have and to hold on to, to keep, to keep for ourselves and to share it with others. And now we're in the parable of the net. And um, I'm, uh, you read at both the end of... Uh, the parable of the weed the weeds and this parable and it doesn't and right there towards the end it don't sound real pleasing. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. I think you thanks Josh for giving me that one for my first sermon in two and a half years. Weeping and gnashing of teeth, but it hit me hard. I mean it seriously hit me in the gut. Because I'm think I does anybody here know anybody who's not saved? I mean that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Is a child or a father or a relative, and that that is not a pleasant situation. So we're looking at the seriousness of Jesus' words, and they say, Yeah, we understand. We understand. We get it. So, what is Jesus' main point in driving in this parable of the net? His main point is that there will be a separation of the good and bad, and that judgment is unavoidable. And that's not scary for my personal self but for those i love and those i care about and so this hit me like a ton of bricks so the parable of the weeds and the parable of the net are both similar not exactly the same but it talks about that there will be the good grown up with the bad you got the bad fish and the good fish you got the weeds and you got the wheat in the parable a few weeks ago so why are we surprised that there's good growing in with a bad that's one of the questions that come to my mind when I was thinking about these two parables. Why are we, we act surprised, like when we look out in the world, we act surprised that things are going so south or going bad or not going the way we thought they would go. So we shouldn't be surprised. And I think there's a couple of reasons, and there's probably many more of reasons why we don't get it, why we're surprised. And one of the possibilities is we forget Jesus' exact words. We forget his words, what he told us. He said, he said it in John sixteen thirty three. In this world, you will have tribulations. We're going to have troubles. We're going to have afflictions. Things aren't going to always go our way. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So didn't Jesus say there was going to be some kind of persecution? We don't have much persecution really right here, I don't think. We might, people might say bad things about us or they make laws that we don't agree with. And we should be a little upset, for sure. But why, are we, why do we act surprised sometimes? So Jesus said there would be persecution. Matthew, Matthew 5.11 says, Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So those are, that's one reason we forget. what Jesus is teaching us through the whole Bible, through all the New Testament, that we're going to have troubles and difficulties, but we act like we're supposed to be walking in this, like we're walking in heaven today. And I think we're, we're misguided by thinking that way. There's a verse. uh, There's a if you can, if you would like, turn with me to chapter Luke chapter thirteen one through five. I'll give you a minute. There's another. There's another thing we got to remember that we may not be getting that we don't understand all the time. We have a habit of measuring what kinds of sins are worse. There's this sin's worse. There's that that sin, and we got those ones that we kind of look down on even more, but we don't look inward, I think, sometimes. So it says in um, Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5, there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 whom the Tower of Siloam fell on and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. This just two different stories, two different things that happen. The same end, if we don't come to Christ... We're in the same boat as the people in this tower. We're in the same boat as the people in the Middle East. We're in the same boat as the people in China. We're in the same p- boat as the people in California. We could go on and on how we divide in our minds who are worse sinners. So in, in thinking of that, I think also the, a third possibility is that we are just simply wrong kingdom focused. That although we tend to measure sin, there are worse sinners, and that tends to make us think of this world Instead of the right kingdom, we're thinking of our kingdom here and not the kingdom we're building. So what Je- I think what Jesus was doing in this is he's trying to recalibrate or calibrate our expectations. So our focus sometimes can be too much on this world, on the American dream. And we aren't really thinking about the kingdom that God wants us to help him build. Colossians 3, 1-2 through 2 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek first the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. So this is kind of like if we're building on this foundation, this American dream, and I hate to, on the 4th of July, I hate to uh, get down on the American dream too much because for me, I remember before I got saved, I had it all written out how much money I had to make to, so I could get this, so I could get the pool, so I could get the yard, so I could get all the toys. I, I had it down to the, I think, down to the dime how much money I needed to make. And you know what happened when I got there? Because I did finally get there. There's still, I was still empty. And I'm thankful that God made that, no, made that known to me, that he let me know that this isn't what it, your life's about. Everything just went... When I figured that out, I realized that I was building the wrong kingdom. I didn't really have a clue what the kingdom of heaven was yet, but I knew that I was invested in the wrong things. So we know that there's a lot of evil and a lot of brokenness in this world. We can see it. You don't have to turn on the TV for more than five minutes, and you're going to see... Even a commercial, you're going to see that is evil. I don't even watch TV anymore. I can't. It's just... I get too upset, so i got to know my limitations. So there is evil in the world, and we are overcome. So what do we do? Excuse me, let me back up a minute. Let me slow down. Although there is evil and brokenness, we are to overcome evil with good. We're not going to overcome evil with a new governmental system. We're not going to overcome evil with new laws. We're going to overcome evil by being Christ-like. Matthew 5:43 to 45 says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. This is Jesus talking. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. In Romans Twelve, seventeen to 21 says, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Not just peaceably with the people you get along with or the people who are like you. Not just peaceably with the ones who agree with your political views or follow the same football team as you. That's how bad I would get in Michigan. We had... Ohio State down there, we we couldn't agree with those guys for nothing. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So we're to invest in God's kingdom and not determine for ourselves what is important or who is important or who can be in God's kingdom. That's not our jobs. It says it right there in the, in the text. He says, like, the fish was, the net was catching all kinds. It was scraping the bottom of the ocean or the sea, whatever you want, how you want to envision it. It is scraping everything up, not just the fish you like or the fish that look like you. It was fish of all kinds. So this audience, they understood, a, a lot of them at least, knew about fishing. You know, Peter and Andrew, fishermen, James and John, fishermen so they knew what, what it would be like when they gathered a net and there's all kinds of seashells and all kinds of junk in there, fish of every kind. So what does this all kinds mean in the text? So I, I did the word study on it. Actually, it means all nations, all tongues, all different kind of people groups. It's just not good fish and bad fish. It's just everything, everything that you can think of coming out of the ocean. And so when you think about these fishermen and the Jewish nation, do you think they might have had some kind of ideas what was acceptable and was not acceptable? Who, 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 who they thought was going to be allowed in God's kingdom and who's not allowed in God's kingdom? I think they did. I think they had some prejudices. I think they were probably not wanting to be really good friends with the Romans for sure. Those were the guys persecuting them. And then you got James and John. They're on the, uh, that time where they're having a little issue with Samaritans. They didn't want to, uh, what did they want to do? They wanted to call fire down from heaven. They wanted to consume the Samaritans because they wouldn't accept Christ at that time. They wouldn't, ta- they wouldn't listen to what they had to say. That, actually, that word, call fire and down, is the same fire that's in here, in this scripture, this verse. It's, it's judgment from God. So you want, do you want to call judgment down from heaven? you want to call God's judgment on people because you don't agree with them politically or because you don't agree with what side of the railroad tracks they live or you fill in the blank. So God is gathering all kinds. He's gathering all kinds: uh, Romans, Samaritans, Gentiles, black, white, red. This is not a disc- this, this. This is a all inclusive, but it's, div- it's there's going to be a division. But the division's up to God. It's His decision, not our decision. Who gets in and who gets out? So I'm not really sure that they completely understood this kingdom uh, at all, it, not entirely. You think about things that happened in the future. I mean, Peter's making laws for uh, Gentile believers that have to be circumcised. That's Jewish custom. That would be adding to what it takes to be saved, wouldn't it? This is not a Jewish religion or American religion for sure. It is for the world. John 1, 11 through 13, he came to his own. And his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So if you recognize this, that you are saved, it wasn't because of your specialness, it wasn't because of how good you are, or handsome you are, or your athletic ability or your ability to get out of doing homework is because of something God did. So we know that there will be a diversity of people gathered into the kingdom of heaven. Revelation 7, 9-10 through 10 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches, in their hands and crying out with a loud voice salvation belongs to our god who sits on the throne and to the lamb and john 12:32 says when i am lifted up from the earth will i when i am lifted up from the earth i will draw all people to myself all people means every kind of person you can think of every kind of nation you can think of And it says in John 6, 40, For everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. When God establishes his kingdom at the end of the age, then will the separation take place. When he moves in with power, when he moves in with glory, when he comes in at the last day, the day of the Lord, when he comes in at that time, that's when the separation takes place. That's when the good and the bad are divided. That's when the kingdom of heaven will become full and complete. That isn't up to us. That's not our jobs. It says in 2 Peter 3.10, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed. Jesus is emphasizing the end of the age and it is coming, and, and his coming with it. So is the judgment and separation of evil from good. Uh, regarding this evil, I like how John MacArthur stated it in and, and this statement right here. He says, "...the dragnet of God's judgment moves silently through the sea of mankind." and draws all men to the shores of eternity for final separation to their ultimate destiny, believers to eternal life, and unbelievers to damnation. This separation is sure and definite. And I know it's the 4th of July, and I know this isn't like a... At this point, is not a real uplifting message, but it should drive us to be praying for the lost, and trying to reach those in our families that are lost. Pray for their souls. This isn't just, it's just serious. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. The separation will be done by angels, it says in verse 49. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. The same idea is found in the sheep and the goats of Matthew 25, 31-33. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand, but the goats on the left. So the kingdom is diverse, but it's not inclusive. There's a bad teaching called universalism that Is the idea that everyone who ever lived will be saved? That God's love is so great, which it is great, but so is His justice. He's he's He never stops being one thing. When He's when He loves, He's just. When He's just, He loves. When He condemns, He glorifies. He does all of it at the same time. But this thought on universalism is a teaching out of the pit of hell. It just leads people astray. And it's still being taught today. It started years ago. But there's nothing new under the sun. Satan tries all these things. There's nothing new. He's told them in the garden, you can be like God. And this universalism isn't much different. Everybody can be in the kingdom. God's not going to judge you. It's okay. Do whatever you want. Wrong teaching. So beware of deceptions that parade themselves like an angel of light. There is nothing new under the sun. Satan himself does this reinventing old tactics by giving them a new name. It says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen to 15, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond with their deeds. God has given us his word, so that we can know these things, to calibrate our hearts and minds so we'd be focused on his kingdom, not what we have an idea of our kingdom or what the kingdom, the earthly kingdom, will look like. Not the American kingdom, not any kind of one world government kingdom, but God's kingdom. So, remember and understand what Jesus wants us to understand from this and the previous parables. First, that few get it, remember that at the beginning. And real believers will be mixed with fake believers, with counterfeits. Next, the kingdom will advance. The kingdom will succeed. Jesus will overcome. The noise of the world may indicate otherwise. The news may indicate otherwise. The uh, negativity in the media may indicate otherwise. But God is going to overcome. In this kingdom, our salvation, is a treasure that we should hold on to, a treasure that we should cherish, a treasure that we should value. And finally, there will be a final judgment. There will be a separation. Only the final judgment is, is not our job. I want to stress that it's not our job. We should just be spreading out the seed, proclaiming Christ and his salvation. we can be thankful that as we do that, that not everybody who's in the kingdom has heard the message. So as we keep praying and sharing the message of Christ, new people will believe it. New people will hear it. So, have you understood these things? Yes? Yes? but you're still wondering what, is, what am I supposed to do with this on the 4th of July? What should I do? Do I end on a somewhat of a better note? What must I do? If you're clothed in Christ's righteousness, simply rest in it. Be thankful for it. Rest in it. It says in Psalm 62, 1-2, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From Him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock In my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. My comfort and my hope is in Jesus Christ, the one who has saved me. So rest in it and then praise Him in it. Although it's not a choice on our part, His grace, He chose us before the foundation of the world because we now have ears to hear and eyes to see, because we have treasured such a great salvation, we can praise Him in it. It says in 1 Peter 1, 3-5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith, for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time, at the last time, at the end of the age. It's going to be revealed. And then finally, proclaim him in it. It says in Romans 1, 16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. In 1 Corinthians 15:3, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Therefore, you see that all the blessings that we have in our salvation, all the blessings are from God, are from God and God alone. They're not because of our work or our conjuring it up because we're, of who we are, but because of who He is. So all the blessings in the kingdom to come are in fullness, are already ours in Christ Jesus. So if you're seeing this now for the first time, respond in faith, accept the life-changing sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Repent and turn to Him. Seek Him let Christ recalibrate your heart. Let Christ recalibrate your dreams and your focus on His kingdom and not this kingdom. And if you're not sure and you want to learn more, Josh or myself and others will be glad to talk to you. And so, for the closing, I'd like to close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for Your Word and the promises of Your Word. Thank you for so great a salvation as we have in Christ Jesus for giving us ears to hear and eyes to see for a heart of understanding. Lord, I now pray that we might see others as you see them and your spirit would work in us to be your vessels to proclaim the gospel to an increasingly darkening world and that your name would be glorified and lifted up. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: We like to take a few minutes and do some Q&A at the end. We always want to be a church where questions are welcome and invited. And, uh, you know, thanks, Gary, for preaching for us. I'll go to this side, and you can stay on that side. Right. We don't want to be too close to each other. We just got so used to this social distancing thing that it's uh, tricky to get out of the habit. So I'm going to put my Bible here so that I can... Thanks for preaching, and uh, I'm a little, I'm a little uh, nervous that you went so short that people are going to... Have a, you, you did like a great short, job. Short, did short, a good short, job, so short. thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was good. It was good. All right, so let me set up my question here, and uh, I'm going to ask a few questions, and then if you have questions, you can just raise your hand, um, and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll uh, ask Gary to clarify some things, or if there's some questions that you have, he and I will team up together on them. So let me set up the context of my question here. So we, we know in Matthew, Jesus has announced a kingdom, and Jesus has fulfilled all the prophecies. He has the right pedigree, all that stuff. And all these people start following him. He's got some resistance, which leads into Matthew 13, where he then gives an explanation of what his kingdom's going to be like, because his kingdom doesn't look like what they thought. You know, people were sort of expecting a political kingdom or whatever, and Jesus' kingdom is just not what they thought. So then he tells these parables to give just a context to. Uh, And an expectation, calibrate, as you said, uh, calibrate the expectations of the people. So then you, like you did so well, uh, walking through these parables, uh, each of these parables, everything in the parable means something. So, setting this up, in verse 47, here's my question. You kind of hit this, but I'd like you to just explain a little bit more on this, is that everything in the parable means something. So what is the sea? When he's talking about his kingdom of heaven is like a net that is thrown into the sea, What does the sea represent?
1: I I think, I believe that represents the entire world. So it's God's, all of God's earthly creation. Okay, so we're supposed to kind of,
0: like the fishermen in the day, they would be picturing, they're actually on the Sea of Galilee, as Jesus is telling this parable. So this parable would be a direct object lesson. Right. Sea representing and the fish representing all people. And then the net represents...
1: Well, it's interesting because uh, when looking at some of the other versions and stuff, the net, it wasn't just like we kind of think of a net, just kind of sort of simplify it. But this is like more of a dragnet. So it's like in everything, down to the bottom. So it's like it had waders on it. So it's picking up stuff from the bottom. Everything in the sea, nothing's going to be left out. Everything's going to be in that net.
0: Yeah, so the fisherman in the boat—is it kind of two boats? Is this as we I picture this right? Is yeah, it two boats. I'm holding one end of this net. It's got weights on the bottom. It's a big beast of a net.
1: Right. Some of that and was dragging. like is some, that the some idea? of the That's reading. Some of the reading really indicated that this net—I mean—it's like you're. Cr- it's not like you're falling short from the one side to the other. It's getting everything. So it's. it was like a boat on that side and a boat on that side, and they're dragging this huge net with weights. And floaters on top, and it's, it's getting everything. Nothing's through. escaping.
0: Yeah. So it's not fly fishing. No, it's not fly fishing. Or you a lure, no. and I'm going to try to catch a largemouth bass. Yeah. Or this is a net that's going to just whatever's in the sea, it's going to pick up. Right. So that's like the kingdom. Correct. So in what yeah. ways is that like the kingdom? Yeah. It's. The, you the, kind the, of explained it, but I just, are, yeah.
1: So he's picking up everything. That's like the kingdom is God's kingdom is going to when he is going to be fulfilled when he sorts it all out, though, is, is what we're saying. So he's, his kingdom's building, is good, it's, it means everything, every kind of person. That, so it's not like, I think we have a, like, sometimes we get a hang-up, and I think the Jews had big-time hang-ups, is that the Samaritans, you couldn't let them in, or you couldn't, let, for sure, who's my, like, one of the questions they commonly would ask is, well, who's my brother, or who do I got to be kind to, who, do, who am I nice to? Certainly not that Roman who's persecuting me. So we, they start asking those kind of questions in their head. God's saying, none of that, none of that kind of thinking. Everybody, we are to witness to everybody. So the kingdom can potentially be everybody that you come across to, everybody you cross paths with on the street, the neighbor you even don't like. Which, I think we have hang-ups like that here too. I love my neighbors.
0: So... <laughs> But so, who's your neighbor? <laughs> so you got this picture of these fishermen and this idea that the gospel of the kingdom is going to sweep through the whole world. The whole world. Right? Mm-hmm. And these guys are getting this experience of like, well, just in following Jesus for this year, year and a half, they're already seeing a lot of people being brought into this kingdom that don't look like they belong there, like right. tax collectors and zealots. Those two don't get along. That's way on the right politically and way on the left politically and both disciples, right? Right. Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector. Those right. shouldn't be in the same room together. Like those two fight each other. You've got tax collectors and prostitutes. and So this, this net is catching all kinds of things. This, it's going to comb through the whole world. So he's setting this expectation that this is what it's going to be like. Yeah. Now what's this like from a fisherman's perspective? Because they're not really seeing the net under the water, right? I mean there's this sense of like the kingdom is going to be grabbing things and we really can't tell what all it's grabbing Right, until it's brought up on shore, right?
1: Right, and then they start sorting it out. But in the, but as it as the parable transitions, you notice that we don't get to sort out any, anything out. Right, the angels get to sort it out, uh, right. and God's ordained it so that we're not deciding who's in and out of the kingdom. Yeah. So for a fisherman, they're gonna they're gonna chuck the uh, bad fish, and that's not gonna be our job when it comes to God's kingdom. Right,
0: right, and the fisherman while he's drawing the net is not worrying about sorting, oh, we caught something bad, let's right. stop. Now just keep drawing the net. Yeah. There will be a time for a reckoning. There will be a time for a sorting. And it won't be now.
1: Right. It won't be now.
0: It won't be now. And I think that's super comforting as we think about in our day and we look at the kingdom and we see things that the church does well and doesn't do well and, ah, we want a reckoning now. I mean, in Luke 9, James and John want to call down fire from heaven right. on the city that doesn't respond rightly to Jesus. Jesus goes, no, just... Wait. You're not in charge of the reckoning. I'll do the fire thing. Right. And so there's this sense of patience. Just keep drawing the net. Don't get freaked out. It's going to be a mixed bag, which is similar to the parable of the field. Right. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So if you're the disciples, here's my other question and then I'll open it up. So what do you think the disciples, as they think through, and this is an experience that they've been through, what do you think is sort of the takeaway? They step back, they look at this parable, and they go, this should be my expectations of the kingdom. What, what would you, if you were to boil it down to just a couple things, they meditate on this parable, and they go, I should relate to the kingdom like this. This should be my attitude, perspective, res- uh, expectation,
1: and I think the disciples were kind of uh, evident So we're, we're getting at too, don't you think? Because the, they are the tax collectors and the prostitutes. And so they should, could start looking inward and at the same time thinking, well, God chose me not because anything that I'm I'm a tax collector, right? Or I'm this. Or like some of the um, Mary Magdalene had seven demons. And maybe uh, there's prostitutes and all those kind of things. So we should just go and just share God's word and think... Every person that we come in contact with is potentially part of God's kingdom.
0: And since there's a reckoning and a sorting at the end, that, that, that is a weird effect on the believer. On one, and you brought this up, mm-hmm. that should make us very sobered because there is going to be a judgment, and some are going to be judged. There also is an odd comfort in that he's going to get things right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I don't have to try to seek... Uh, and even in this world, I can't seek perfect justice in every way. There's one that will do that. He'll be able to sort things out. He'll get it right. So it's this odd, this judgment at the end has both an oddly comforting effect of going, "Okay, I don't have to try to seek perfect justice now." There's one that's going to set it right. He's going to get the judgment right. Then also, this sobering reality is that there are going to be those, and so we should we should share the gospel. So I that's excellent. Good. Thanks for letting me. Rapid fire, some challenging questions. Q&A is hard. Are there any questions out here? Yeah, let me re-ask the question. I'll give you time to think, and also it'll get on the recording. Um, so what do you think is the significance of the angels doing the sorting?
1: It just seems like they come right out, don't they? Like, like they could appear right now. Doesn't it sound like that to you? I mean, I mean that's one of the things that struck me. But it's significant, mostly least significant, is that um, I don't have to do worry about that part is what stood out to me. I'm not the one who has to decide who's in and out. Um, just share the gospel. And the significance to the angels, you know, that's kind of a, to me that's a mystery of how they just come out. It doesn't say they came from heaven. It doesn't say where they came from. They just come out. So... That would be one of those, you know what, I think I understand, but maybe I'll understand better when it happens, right? It's like those are, that To me, for me, that's where I'm landing on that. I, think, I almost think that we're like, like Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is, I think we're, in, we're here, it's here. It's just waiting to, it's going to come out. It'll be like, it says like in a twinkling of an eye, so it'll be like that. So it won't be like we'll see angels coming. I think they'll just like that be here.
0: Yeah, you want to answer that? Where does this sorting at the end, this final judgment, come in relation to some of the other things you know, related to yeah, end times?
1: That's a, that's, a, occurrences. that's a great eschatology question, right? End of the world question. And no and no even scholars do not agree on how that all sorts it out. So thanks for asking that one. Yes. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and so it just depends on uh your your end times of you really i mean it'll happen how god ordains it i can guarantee that um how that unfolds i you know it's a that's a mystery to me and that's one of those things that i think if you if you hear one uh like the rapture if you hear the rapture could happen at every minute any minute you've heard that i'm sure you're going to, if you study enough on that, you're going to believe that direction. And then if you study, and then the other thing that is God's kingdom is just going to be like, boom, that's it, kind of thing. You're going to uh, believe in that. Um, so that, to me, I don't know. I'm always trying to learn more about that when the opportunity when we get into that part in this program, I sure hope I'll get a deeper understanding of it, but until then, I'm just trusting. I trust God will do what God's going to do, and then I'm in part of that kingdom.
0: Yeah, this sort will happen ap- after everything else. It'll be the last thing that happens before the new heavens and the new earth. And so, so yeah, while everything you said is true, I think this particular event where that final destiny is ultimately finally set, some resurrected to eternal judgment, some resurrected to eternal life, it's the very last thing that happens before that. So it would come after all of that, however you view all of those things—whether you think there's a rapture, where it's at, how long—is there a tribulation? What's it like? There's there's lots of nuance within there, and different faithful views of Scripture on that. But we, I think, we do know that this final rendering of judgment comes right at the very end of all of that, and is the is what leads into the uh, new heavens and the new earth. So, great questions.